I just finished uh, chatting to my good friend Mike O'Brien, or Moby as some of us know him, and uh, I'm really pleased to be able to share the conversation with, with you guys. Mike is a tremendous human being. He's hilarious. He's experienced. He's wise. He's crazy in many ways, but he's really, really, really good at what he does, and he's building mini mics in his business and in his culture and of his organization. So I really hope you enjoy our, our natter. Uh, we talk probably every week at least, and we were WhatsApping probably three, four, five times a day as well, um, mostly at the moment with silly memes, but um, he's, a, he's a great guy and I hope you enjoy the, the chat that we had. So I'd like to welcome Mike O'Brien, uh, who's agreed to sit down and have a chat with me. This is weird because me and him have chats quite regularly. so. It's quite nice to have an opportunity to, to share some elements of our, our chats. Uh, for those of you that don't know Mike, he's an entrepreneur, he's a CEO, an extreme sports enthusiast with his boarding, skating and mountain biking, uh, becoming a, an electric vehicle adopter for cars and, and bicycles, uh, and also one of the humblest and most human humans that I know. And we've known each other for what, about 15, 20 years now, something like that? Yeah, something like that. And, uh, you know, our paths are crossed as uh, as a sort of service provider for me when I was at another bank or a couple of banks actually as it turned out and you on the on the other side of it but uh, I, I'm very happy to call you a mate now and uh, I have no professional relationships with you whatsoever <laughs> at the moment which is which is uh, which is fine but I hope to work with you again in the future but I thought we'd start off and just get your view like you know what who, who are you and and what makes you tick um yes yeah, uh, well Mike um yeah, I kind of, I'm a, I'm an IT guy. That's what I'll always say. Um, do lots of other things as well, sort of IT guy and a enthusiast around, you know, do it yourself culture about things. Um, we were just chatting earlier about if you, you know, if you're into doing a thing, like if you're in a skateboarding when you were a kid, you might build a skate park because there isn't one. Yeah. If you're in photography, you might want to learn how to use an enlarger. If you're in computers and computer games, which a lot of us were, yeah. and you spent all your money in the arcade, <laughs> you write your own games. So yeah, I sort of like to think that's a, a bit of who I am, uh, you know, kind of into the DIY of things. So, you know, if you think maybe technology consultant isn't going the way that you think it should be going, well, start a company and see how that goes. <laughs> and I remember you, you, you know, you, when you opened up uh, your office, you uh, sent me a video of you skating around the office to sort of illustrate <laughs> the size of it as well. But how long has Opencast been going for now? Um, it's, it's been going nearly nine years now. And I, I think the, the, the germ of it being a thing is probably, yeah, probably 10, 10 years. Um, there's a lot of discussion around what, what it would be and, you know, how, how that would start. Um, and it's kind of interesting because you do a lot of that and a lot of talking about planning and I remember we had this discussion about it which was around doing a charity walk around a huge man-made lake here it's the biggest reservoir in Europe and we walked around it to do the discussion about starting the company and it took eight hours and got massive blisters on our feet because we <laughs> underestimated kind of walking for 26 miles is it's kind of still far you know as, you know running it would have been tougher but that was, that was pretty tough but the, the, the thing that we we talked a lot about there was that you know just do it JFDI thing, which is you you spend a lot of time thinking about what the different things would be and putting together budget spreadsheets and everything. But there becomes a point where, you know, 
you have to leap off the edge <laughs> and, and get stuck in there and do do it. But after, you know, after carefully sort of making sure that you're not going to go off the edge and it's not going to be a huge avalanche or you're going to kind of go down a crevasse or something like that. <laughs> it's a bit of sort of, you know, kind of skiing, snowboarding uh, metaphors there. But, you know, we did kind of spend a lot of time doing that, but then just thought, well, if you jump right and it doesn't work, then you can always go and do something else. But for me, you know, the the idea of then what I knew would happen is the minute you're working for yourself, you could never really go and then work for somebody else. So I always had that in mind. So you think, right, once you do this, off you, off you go, you know? So, uh, so yeah, sort of, so it'll be nine years on April the 2nd. Um, what, this year. You know, tell us about Opencast. Like what, uh, what's its USP? Um, USPs are interesting things, aren't there? Somebody, I know some really good marketing guy I, I met who, who, who did a lot of work globally for people like Virgin and PwC and so on. Um, and I think it worked for Saatchi and Saatchi said, you know, I always get asked about this USP thing. And he said, often there isn't one, right? Because, well, there is with some things, you know, there's some product somebody's got and it is completely different. And he said, and especially in consulting, that's a really difficult thing to kind of nail. And as we got to know each other and he did some work um, for us around branding back in the day, it came out around this kind of human side of um, the way that we'll treat people in the company, the way we treat clients. And you know, this words like partnership always get bandied around and have done for many years, but there's a, there's a, there's a, there's a real thing in that, you know, about, you know, you've got the back of the clients and the staff, um, which seems like a really obvious thing to say, but I think it is quite different if you really have. And then people who get that and then, you know, want to then sort of create an environment where it's safe for people to, you know, kind of have sort of decent opinions and want to do the right thing, which again, sounds really obvious, but it's not so obvious a lot of the time because sometimes the right thing isn't the thing that maximizes revenue and profit in the short term <laughs> theme there, you know, there's always, a, there's always a long story to a lot of things, you know, which I think kind of runs through our company around how you treat people and that we're all kind of humans trying to do a good thing. So one of the things is when we, when we, sorry to interrupt you, but it's just, yeah, yeah. when we first started working together years ago, I, uh, the thing I really, really liked about working with you and, and the team you had there, which is actually very similar to the team you have now in terms of the individuals you've managed to, yeah. you know, who obviously followed you as you've created Opencast from where they were. But it was, it was always a great conversation that we have. We talk about, right, I've got this idea for something I want to do, and I go and talk to some uh, outsourced third parties, whatever you want, you know, whatever you want to call them, consultancies, and they'd say, "Oh, well, thank goodness you're talking to us. We're world class in the thing that 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 you just made up, right? But you, uh, and we've got a center of excellence somewhere for that thing." Uh, and of course, I knew that wasn't true. <laughs> then I had three of them in a row, all saying the same thing. I'm like, well, maybe one of them really does have one. Then I talk to you, and I say. Um, I want to do this crazy thing and you're like oh yeah no we've got no idea about that we've, we've we've never done that before but it sounds really 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 interesting let's go on a journey together and see if we can do something there and 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 that was that that partnership right as you as you say it was that human human response which says nope no idea never done that before in our lives and it was that honesty that kind of attracted me to to engage with the company that you were working for at the time and say you know what i will give it a go with these guys and see where where we go. And 99 times out of 100, we built something yeah. that was successful 
and we did it and we had a lot more fun because we had good people and we had honesty and we had that that human interaction that you don't necessarily always get you i've worked with opencast now and you've managed to bring that culture there and you talked about it just then about being human and and having honesty how have you done that how have you 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 brought some people with you but you built this company with a lot of new hires that never some of them probably weren't really they were probably still at school or or nappies when they when we were working <laughs> in the day right but but some of them um so there's a, a large group of people that have never had exposure to the way we did things before but they've adopted that culture how have you done it um well to be honest i mean we haven't um we haven't you know built a a process for doing that um obviously as you start growing you start talking about that sort of thing about once you get beyond you know beyond 100 people now how do you then pass that on to other people? How do you scale it? It's, yeah, you know, and that's a, that's the kind of thing we're working on at the moment. We've done some sort of quite interesting things around that and plans to, to go forward. But I mean, in this, you know, prior to to one hundred, I mean, you so you won't be surprised that there's a lot of a lot of hard work in terms of hiring the right people. Mm. So it's not like you just hire anyone and then try and kind of put some sort of um, open cast. Uh, you know, kind of Joe 90 helmet on them. I'm sure I'm at age by saying Joe 90, but some people will know what that means, um, you know? And so I think really, you know, us all working super close together, you know, you know, I've been involved in the whole thing all along, haven't kind of stepped back from the, the front of it, you know, kind of working to get new clients in, working to help with hiring people. And then, you know, it's just continual dialogue with people all the time about what this really means and it's not like evangelizing about it it's just you know it's just being as it you know i said it's sort of human don't want to sort of keep on saying that but you know just sort of well yes we're working in computer systems with really complicated organizations but they're all people as well have got really horrible problems and often their situations are way worse than yours trying to come in and do do work for them you know and it, it's kind of getting people into that way of thinking that we're all trying to solve the, these problems and I think especially kind of making people realize that the you know the the client folks have got a really hard job to do and they, they just they absolutely want someone to come and you know be there be their sort of trusted friend in this and then be be straight up with them and it's just it's continually talking about that to people and you know I think sometimes there's a bit of a Somebody did a thing and did an impersonation of me in the pub, apparently, when I wasn't there about it's all about the people. And I still haven't seen the video, which I want to see. It's kind of funny. I'm sure I'll find that at some point. But, you know, it's, it's just continually supporting people in the, you know, there's not, there's not something that we're suddenly going to switch on, which is going to make this different. This is the way we're going to do it. Mm. We're going to grow it this way and we're going to keep that culture. And, you know, when we tried this before, um, it didn't, it wasn't contrived. We just said, well, this is the way we're going to do things. And people really liked it. And as you say, that's how we met. And we met lots of other sort of people with, we, we kept on working with. Or, and, you know, the great thing, some of, some of the people that have been our clients have then joined us, <laughs> which I love that. I think, well, that's, we must have done something right if people want to then come and work for us. That's quite a nice thing. Um, but, you know, I suppose we just did a, didn't do it from some manual about this is some kind of trendy way of doing things. You know, the, the only way we can do this is just doing it the way we know and the way we understand. And, um, 
you know, one, one of the things someone said to me once, oh, you, you maybe can't say trust, because if you say that, there must be something not to trust because you've said it. And you just think, what, what are you supposed to say, right? This is, you know, you can't say anything. So I think you just said, well, do, you know, it, 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 the trust is the, is the thing really. And in terms of, I think one of the things people have reflected back is when we hire people, we trust them as professionals that have got experience and got really good heads on their shoulders to get on with things. So we won't sort of put in place a massive structure of control and, you know, command and control type stuff. Because, yes, you have to have controls in place because you want the company to run properly and you've got to make sure you send bills out to people and pay the rent and all that good stuff, right? But, you know, you, you then don't want to completely control how people do their day-to-day -day job or interact with people. You've got to make sure that when you hire people, you, you, you've got that radar about the right sort of fit person. Yeah. you know um, and I think that's been so critical to it rather than you know then trying to create this process to head shrink everybody <laughs> yeah. so it's just been about that getting those right people in you know and if if sometimes you get the wrong people in often they will just say this isn't really for me you know we've had people who've joined and have then left said I need to go back to somewhere that's got a lot more control around it because it's yeah. a bit uncomfortable <laughs> Yeah. Because I can kind of do a lot of these different things and I'm not sure I'm okay with that. And that's fine, right? Because I think that whole self-starter thing is really important. And that's what's driven so much of the, the culture, I think, really. There's sort of an entrepreneurial spirit that runs through the culture of the organization as well. They're yeah. self-starters, they just kind of get on with stuff. Um, and probably, you know, I'm sort of putting words in your mouth, if you did try and micromanage a lot of the people that are in there, they they leave anyway because that's not the way they want to work and you want people with a brain when you're when you're working on big projects that actually don't sit there and sort of wait for the instruction and then go and do something and then sit back and i'm not saying the people that have left with those types of people but you know it's um it, it's a lot of us on the on the buy side of services from third parties can relate to those types of people that do what was written in the spec and then sort of yeah. wait for the next instruction well, yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's that's the danger in our industry, isn't it? Because, yeah. you know, a lot of rocks that get thrown at us all collectively is IT, you know, because that's the thing. It's an IT problem. Yeah. A lot of that will, you know, it'll be that if, you, if you're sitting around all the time waiting to be told what to do, yeah, you're going to spend a lot of time doing that. <laughs> yes, particularly with lockdown, you know, we're in lockdown three. So we've gone to through two lockdowns and a bunch of tier... 27s etc where we're not allowed to go to offices so pretty much this entire year uh, sorry this is 2021 2020 <laughs> last year, uh, the entire year we weren't able to visit offices for more than maybe about six weeks in the year how have you managed to keep the team going and and what have you found in terms of the productivity have you has that culture helped or has it hindered productivity i think it's helped um because if you look at some of the things that have happened with um you know, we worked on a lot of COVID projects mm. and those things had to be done so quickly. Yeah. Um, absolutely crazy timescales, you know, three or four weeks to build this, four days to build that and get things into production. Mm. So the, the, the wherewithal that people had in, in our teams, you know, clients loved that because they knew that people would be up for the challenge and it wouldn't frighten them. You know, they wouldn't say, oh, I can't redo that because we haven't done this bit. Yeah. It'd be all hands to the pump, do it. Absolutely brilliant, you know and I mean? A lot of that, you know, when we first met each other, we we discovered a lot of this in financial services at the time, which was very much a, you know, a kind of industry that was just 
making it up as it went along and DIY and so on. There was an element of that where I thought this. Oh, yeah. I mean, investment, bank, investment banking technology, people would, people who join a bank now won't realize just how entrepreneurial investment banking technology was 20 years ago or, or yeah. between 20, 30 years ago, because technology leaps, genuine leaps were happening so often during that period. And Java was invented, you know, there's all sorts of stuff and the, and the internet actually became a thing yeah. uh, or doing real B2B and, uh, and C2B kind of business as well. And so the projects that we had, we'd have people turning up and we'd go to, we'd go to desk heads and they say, I want an online trading platform for, for equity derivatives. Um, here's a bag of money, <laughs> spend the money uh, and let me know what you've got with it. And we'd go out and we'd buy the shiniest thing with blue LEDs on it. And we'd go and get the best developers we could get and say, you know, build, build me an online trading platform. Oh, and by the way, here's the thing, I need you to encrypt it. And they're like, whoa, you know, we, we can't do that. It's impossible. No one's ever done it at scale. And, and people forget that encryption, SSL, uh, secure tra uh, internet traffic didn't used to really exist that much 20 years ago because it was too processor intensive to be able to encrypt all the traffic and decrypt all the traffic. So you couldn't do it. Um, and it's interesting now when you join, it is financial services. There are elements that seem quite innovative in some of these, uh, these startup banks like the Monzos and the Revoluts, et cetera. Yeah, yeah. They're doing interesting things with UX, uh, but actually in the back end, probably it's a lot more traditional and familiar to developers who have worked on big cloud migrations and have worked on the last 10 years than it would have been had they been working on these, these big groundbreaking projects 20 years ago, which are very different. Yeah, I, I just think the, you know, there's a lot in that um, ability to, to just do things quickly and get things out there, that sort of time to market sensibility thing. Yeah which I think a lot of the last, you know, nine, 10 months has been full of that. So, you know, that thing about what, you know, what, what collaboration tools would you use? And in Opencast, we, we were using a Salesforce platform. Um, and we thought about, well, Slack looks pretty good. People are using that. So we just put Slack in and it was a bit of a, oh, well, did you not do a whole kind of, you know, bake off between all the different platforms? And no, we kind of like that one. So we did that and then we went, nah. But we're using 365 should we switch to teams you know and this is probably about two years ago yeah let's do that and i think people like that you know yeah that's see that i think that's the right thing to do let's let's do that and then of course in in covid getting to my, my point everyone just went well we'll use zoom for that and we'll use teams for that and it was i was loving that it was brilliant because there wasn't a well we spend kind of four months working out whether that's the right thing to do or not and then we'll kind of you know go through a load of policies people just switched it on <laughs> on the first day and we kind of went well the world didn't end right yeah. it, you know <laughs> and i mean there's kind of a whole ton of things around that but actually you know that switching the tech on and it doing amazing things for people was i i, I bet you if you'd asked someone that a year ago if that was possible they said there's no way that'll work yeah. because you know the internet will just grind to a halt and people's broadband won't be good enough and da, 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 da. and there's a there is a massive issue with that about you know this homeschooling thing i was listening to yesterday you assume everyone's got the same setup as you and of course they haven't so i'm not belittling that because that's a massive issue but you know in terms of the sort of jobs we do it all just flipped over and it and it and it, and it worked right um so you know it's kind of testament to the you know the microsoft guys who built this stuff and try to get us to, to adopt it for years and we all just went no i'm not doing that <laughs> I, I think i mean i've said this on on a different um interview i was doing around around resilience but because then the connection there was that major change 
can lead to instability, which ultimately becomes a resilience challenge for the organization and the user base. But in the first lockdown last year, the most organizations moved heaven and earth to be able to adopt these collaboration platforms at pace. And 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 like you're saying, you know, most of them spent two, three years sort of dragging their, their heels thinking, well, I've got this other really important thing I need to do first. Then I've got this other really important thing. I, I know it's important, but I've just got to get this done. And, and it's a big change. And we've got to roll out to 160,000 people and there's training and there's policies and there's blah, 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 blah. But in days, all of a sudden, you know, everyone had teams, everyone had webcams shipped out to them and headsets and, yeah. and it's, and Zoom came from relative obscurity to being a, a verb to describe video conferencing to the population of the UK or the world, right? It's, it's bizarre. Yeah. And yeah, no, my kids upstairs. So I've had, I've got my nine-year-old and my 14-year-old in the house, 14-year-old, and, and we've made them little offices in their bedrooms. So they're sat there and the nine-year-old, he just, he's got, he's got, I've, I've, I've had to help him a little bit by putting links into like um, calendar entries for Zooms, but he's just like in teams, chatty, 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 do it, get his work out, do his work, photograph it, upload it, click on the link, Zoom with teachers and class. It's just going through it. And oh yeah, unbelievable. it's amazing that, that humanity has adopted that quite, quite well. And um, I mean, I do, I'm not going to go into my yeah. about human contact and the necessity <laughs> for human contact and how humans need to smell other humans and all that sort of stuff, because that's something which I'm, I've talked about a lot as well, but it, I do think there is that missing still, and um, there is going to be a, a knock-on impact to mental yeah. health for that. Um, but coming back to, to Opencast, right, so yeah. every, everyone has to start somewhere. So you walked around the lake and you, you came up with a, a strategy for how you know, what Opencast was going to do or achieve. And then you took a leap, but presumably that leap needed a client, somebody to pay the bills, right? So how'd you get that first client? Well, here's it. It's kind of interesting story, this, isn't it? Because you, so part of your, um, I'm going to make this leap and I'm going to make sure I just doesn't, don't disappear into a chasm is, you know, okay, what, who are the people that are going to, we're going to work with? if I'm going to hire some people, they're going to obviously want to know we've got some clients. Some people won't. They come in and join a company and you're, you're building a thing and they will come. But when you're doing a services company, you pretty much people are going to say, well, who who's going to be the client, you know? So when, when we started and we did the kind of, you know, hotel lunch meeting with a number of people who were going to be the first five starters, um, we had, you know, three different organizations lined up. And, you, you know, we were, at the time we were founding a cloud company. That's what we were doing in you know, in 10, 11, and then starting in 12. And, you know, you had Salesforce, um, and, you know, one of the biggest tech companies in the world. So you couldn't bet against that. And, you know, partnered with them before. And we're looking at doing a bunch of things for them. And then we had sort of two other organizations as well, which were, you know, kind of huge enterprise cloud firms. So, you know, you've had a, as many conversations as you can, as you can, and you're working for somebody else. You can't sign a contract or anything like that. And, you, you know, so you make the leap um, and then you you're on the other side of the of the cliff, as it were, and you and then you start working with these people and then you're trying to get the work going. And then what happens? It's it's every startup's probably got these things where so you're working with Salesforce, but the contacts you've got you've got then get either get fired or get moved. So suddenly you haven't got that contact anymore. Yeah. You're like, all oh, right, and somebody who's gonna join you. Um, who's going to be a person that, you know, has a relationship with one of the end clients and is going to do the work then decides to be a freelancer for the end client. 
and you're kind of going, okay, so we've got another two options here. One of those companies gets taken over by CA, which are huge American corporate. And immediately their lawyers say, you can't do work with these guys. Who are they? They haven't even started. Oh, they just started a week ago. Um, yeah, so, um, so that's what happened, right? So I'm kind of sitting there going, well, I've now got um, four or five staff who joined, who were actually, as a massive coincidence, they were made redundant about a week after we started from the company I used to work for. So leap face and hired them and thought, right, we're going to build this thing. And this is what we're going to do. And then, of course, the those three areas just completely froze and we just couldn't do any work with them. So you're thinking, all right, here we go. This is quite interesting. You know. To feed. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you've got, you know, mouths to feed and mortgages and, you know, my car broke down and that, and I had, you know, I had one car, right? It broke down. It was a 10-year-old thing. It was beat up and the kids always used to laugh and go, why have we got the worst car in the car park at school? And I'm like, well, you know. <laughs> I, I, I had the coolest car in the car park at school when it works. <laughs> Apparently well, that, jacked up in the in the front uh, the front driveway because the the front diff is leaking oil. Um, oh, is that Land Rover? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> um, so so that was that was the situation, and then I suppose that you know the classic. There's the whole look, but you make your own look because you do good work with people and you're good to the people, and you've got you know you've, you've got lots of contacts. There's this whole network of things over your whole career um we we got a call from a massive global bank it said hey you know um we need to build this cloud platform and some regulations have changed and we now need to kind of test that all of our staff have been trained to sell this particular product and da, 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 da. it's a great opportunity to use use cloud to do this and web front ends and all sorts of nice things um, but we've got to do it in about two months because this regulations come in a while ago and we haven't really done it yet. And there's an audit point and you, I'm going, good, check, check, you know, reasons that someone's got to absolutely do the work and it's not just the fantasy thing, you know, that you learn over the years. Um, and then of course they say, so you're still at the company you used to work for. And I said, oh no, no, I started my own company. They went, all right, well, that doesn't matter. We can do it with you. And I'm thinking, well, how are we going to do this? Right, because we're not on their supplier list. Mm. So what I did was I, um, I then texted someone I used to work for in the old company who was the head of this account globally, yep. um, who I'd become friends with and you know had cups of coffee with. Said I've got this opportunity to do this thing, um, and I got the people right right here that can do it, and um, that'd probably be quite a nice thing to do. And it's cloud, and that would show a bit of you know kind of doing some sort of sexy things for them. Um, shall we do it? And they probably shouldn't have done that, but they went, yeah, you know because we sort of liked each other and that was the first client. And there's a lot of bits to unpick there about that wouldn't have happened if you hadn't have been pals with that person. And when you left the other company, you kind of left on good terms and all this kind of good stuff. Yeah. Um, and I knew we could do the work as well. And we nailed it and, you know, we got paid for it. Well done. And, I was, and I, what I'd done when we, when we started, I, I'd sort of given myself six months and thought, well, the money's probably going to run out um because it was myself and my business partner we just put some money in we didn't borrow it off anybody we just yeah you know it was kind of um mine was a redundancy pay from the previous company and we put that in and said right let's go and after six months we'll think about whether it's worked or not so this was after four months we actually got to write an invoice and we'd done the work um and the, 
And it's really weird though, because you get really excited about it. <laughs> and then you think, yeah, what's going to happen in like two months time? Um, but you know, the, the thing, and you know me well, I'm, I'm always talking to lots of different people and there's this whole kind of thing all the time about, you've got, you know, people go, well, that was pretty lucky. And you go, yeah, but you, you probably met 200 people. <laughs> so it's lucky, but you know, you've, you, you've kind of increased your chances. That's, that's great in your network at the moment. Um, but, but I think that's that, that yeah. to me, you know, that, that kind of sums up you, you're always building relationships with people. And when you go and do exec coach stuff, they'll talk about the trust equation. And they'll say that, you know, the trust equation really on the top part of it ha has this intimacy, mm. which is a big part of it. And then the, the bottom part, I'm going to get it wrong, so I'm doing it for but it's sort of self selfishness, if you, if you want to put it simply. And so the selfish, if people perceive you to be self-centered and, and focus on just you, then that takes away all the evidence of doing a good job and, and how well they know you at the top. So if they don't know you well and they think you're selfish, you, you have no trust. Whereas I think through the relationships that you build, you, you build that intimacy with people. And I'm, I don't mean in a, in a kind of sexual way. I mean, well, maybe you do. Maybe that's how you get some of the other uh, jobs for some of the other companies. But, you know, you, you, kind of, you, know, you, you build this, this, this re relationship with people because actually I think you like people. You like, you find people interesting. You want to know, yeah, yeah. kind of like exploring humanity's diversity. And then people don't see you as being motivated by that. You know, whenever I've had a conversation with you and uh, I've never felt a professional conversation, with you, I've never felt that, that you're sitting there just, just with like dollar signs and pound signs just behind your eyes, right? Wait, you know, just trying to see how much money am I going to make out of this conversation? Whereas in some sales forces, you get that, right? You get that when you're having a conversation with some of the, uh, some consultancy firms or some software companies that they're just sitting there going, how much money am I going to make out of this potential deal? Is this going to be a, my, my million pound ticket to yeah. get me to buy the, the second Tesla or whatever it may be. Um, but, but with you, it's, it's sort of like, this is a really interesting conversation about some really cool stuff and Hey, it might work out and we'll make some revenue out of it. So that to me is, is the, the benefit. This is, that's kind of what you bring in the way that you're wired. And that's the culture I refer to in your, in your mm. organization at the moment. And, and as you said, it's a challenge to scale it, but building relationships, intimate relationships and being credible in delivery and clearly not being focused on purely the bottom line there's the intellectual element of it as well i think is that secret source that you you, mm. kind of, you kind of have right um and and some of the i mean some of the stories you've told me about building relationships and where it's led to are just hilarious when you think about um people just going about like you know general sales is knocking on people's doors virtually or physically and coming in <laughs> and going here's my powerpoint and we're amazing you 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 met someone on the side of the road right didn't you you just like broke down and you're like I'm just going to help you fix your car. And then that turned into a, an interesting conversation about the art of the possible. And it's just life, just sort of pe meeting people in bars or in concerts or at skate halls or whatever it may be, right? You, you kind of bump into people and, and it turns into something. Yeah, it's, well, the interesting thing about that is when, when I met um, my business partner, one of the first conversations we had was around that. And he said to me, oh, have you ever read that? piece about the strength of weak ties and I went no what's that and he went have a read of this 
thing from 1973 and I think it was in the there was an essay written in the New Yorker about this mm. thing about ties between people and networks and you know we talked a lot about my network his network other people's networks and how this whole kind of network theory thing works and I mentioned it to someone who was a you know a, a dear friend and a well was at first a client at a big investment bank and I mentioned this to her and she went do you not know about that that's what you do and I went, all right. <laughs> and I read this thing and I went, oh, this is really interesting. And it was just about, I mean, there's a ton of things about it, but the thing I picked out of it was that, and, and my business partner said this as well, that you'll have this fascination in people, what they do, but not with some sort of end goal of trying to work with them or get some money out of them. It's not about that. It's just this fascination. And then when lots of that happens, then often you can connect people around things yeah and that's not out of you connect them and there's some brokerage deal and you get something from it that's not what and we both do this thing mm. and as we sort of realize not that many people do it but when you meet other people who do or people who you know join the company who'll be on the development side of the consultancy side actually do that in their own yeah well that's a really interesting and powerful thing that almost well why would you give somebody that bit of code or why would you help somebody get that job if they're not paying you and you go well it doesn't compute for me I'm kind of well you, you just do that right and then if you're good at doing a thing like developing software or, or other things that that you do there's some opportunity will appear that then you can make money out of doing that and you can you know you can you can sort of run your life because you, you kind of need to get some income from somewhere do those things but it's and it's tricky right because people kind of go well how does that work though and but you can make it work and I know a lot of people that do this and then you see people who will be you know it, it'll be thinly veiled because it'll look like oh well, that's a sort of cool thing to act like that but actually there's always a oh but anyway what's the kickback and da, 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 and you kind of go no, no, no that's not that's not what you do right that's not the well, that's not what we people like us do. I don't think. I don't think I, we, I, we I do that. And I think there's a what the person who I mentioned actually when I was working in, you know, the, the, the interesting world of investment banking, which you would imagine. Well, there's a place. How does any of that work in there? But I, I think it, I think it does. Said to me, oh, I think this is really interesting because it's like some anti-sales thing is the term. <laughs> and I heard someone using it in our company the other day and said, well, there's some anti-sales thing bottle here because guess what, we can do lots of really good work and we get paid for it, but you're not trying to just hammer that down people's throats, the sales thing, it's, you know, and, and you know, I think professional services, that's that's the thing, right? It should be more about that, about trying to figure out really what are you trying to do for the other people? And sometimes it's better to, you know, get introduce that person to a different person. Yeah. Not because there's some revenue line, but it's just that person can help you, right? That's yeah. what you should, you should go talk to them. Um, and I know it's tricky, right? Because some things scale and scale. Then how do you how do you stop that? Then you, you know how do you stop turning it into a machine because of the governance you need to put in? Yeah, Which I, but I think it's fascinating the journey we're going on now because we're going to try and find out how you do that, right? Yeah, and it's, it is. You know, you go into startup to scale up. You know, it does. You do. You've seen some of these tech startups lose their charm, yeah. lose, lose what made them. I guess enjoyable to work with and and kind of funky to 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 use their software or whatever it may be and and they're not cool anymore they become the the very thing that they were trying to 
battle against. I mean, yeah. Google is one of the famous kind of example of that, where they set up to be, you know, against the man and don't be yeah. evil and all that sort of stuff. And and then now their their fingers are pointing at them, saying you're evil and you're the man and all that sort of stuff. And and I and I do think that um, there is a way. There is a way for companies to achieve the goal of maintaining their humanity while scaling. Yeah, we, uh, it's going to be, it's, there aren't that many examples of companies that have managed to achieve it. Well, so we had a, um, a, a walk out, uh, you know, you do lots of walking meetings, you know, we're asking before about how do you keep this whole thing connected? Well, there's a lot of this, um, yeah. but then walking meetings with people. Have a walk if that helps. <laughs> <laughs> we're a bit geographically challenged. Oh. But, <laughs> but, you know, with, with the team here, you know, we've done things like that. We go and, you know, you, you do your uh, one piece of exercise and you can you do it with another person at, at, at two meters, but you're seeing the person and there's, you know, there's, that's, that, that's quite interesting. We, you know, had one today, which was a, you know, a 45 minute in the freezing cold of Northumberland with the sun coming up. You got the, one of the discussions we had was about this, you know, Apple, Google, Amazon, that were the cool mm. kids and Amazon and Microsoft were the, yeah. were the bad guys. And then suddenly, you know, um, Microsoft reinvent themselves and they become the cool kids out of how did that happen, you know? And um, when we were talking about there's a kind of book that the guy's written about that and uh, the, the chief exec's written and you, there's just interesting things. And I suppose one of the things that we talked about in, the, in, in our sort of ramble was, well, we're in such early days of this, of this industry as well, 30, 40 years of it. There's all sorts of, chopping and changing and figuring out where the world's going and you know people kind of starting in one place and you know we were talking about apple was the coolest thing right and then they're considered to be the man now you know i didn't think that would ever happen but it's it is it is difficult right because the success then creates that that sort of problem of how do you how do you maintain that yeah but i, th I think that's a really exciting challenge because you can you can see some unlikely businesses that that managed to pull that off right Still. I mean, I, I do think Microsoft turnaround is, is phenomenal when they incredible in the days when like Windows 95 days, they were really super evil. And then, uh, <laughs> but now, you know, like uh, when people talk about the big tech firms, they tend to ignore Microsoft. They talk about Google, Amazon, Facebook, and, um, and Apple, but they don't talk about IBM. IBM was the worst. They were the evilest Ooh, of the evil. Yeah, they were evil. Right? <laughs> and then there was there was Microsoft, who kind of inherited the, the the mantle of evil tech. And now they're you know IBM never gets mentioned, uh, partly because they've kind of moved out of some of the you know the hardware business, etc. In the in the in the personal computing space. But yeah, Microsoft is like yeah we're fine. We got Teams. It wasn't for us. You'd be all coveted. Um, and Apple, for some reason, yeah, they're 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 the bad guys. Um, to a point where Facebook starts having a go at Apple about their, their being being you know being the big ogre, and it's it's fascinating when you see that in game companies. Um, so listen, um, entrepreneur, I mentioned at the beginning because I remember years a few years back sitting in the bike shed, in, uh, in <laughs> and uh, having a chat, and I'm sitting on the other end other side of a table with my beer, just thinking, Mike's gone mad, absolutely mad. And you were telling me about this idea to open a cafe in Newcastle. And uh, and I was sitting there, sorry, Newcastle. 
uh, and I was sitting there thinking, oh my goodness, you've gone mad. <laughs> um, tell, tell us about it. Yeah, that was, um, that, was a, that was an interesting thing. I mean, talk about something that you're helping somebody with being completely out of the zone that you're used to working in at all. Mm. So, you know, food and beverage yeah. business with animals. <laughs> but yeah. even food and beverage, I know nothing about running a cafe. Yeah, well, suddenly all the vegans uh, and vegetarians hang up, not, not eating the animals, uh, like yeah. enjoying the company of animals. Yeah, yeah, it was it was kind of an interesting thing. So uh, a friend had said, you know, I'd quite like to start a business. Did you see the documentary about um, cat cafes, which I had seen? I said that's that's really interesting. And there was it was a, a sort of you know a bar conversation around how do you do such a thing? And I sort of joked about well, people draw a you know draw a logo on a napkin <laughs> and they create a spreadsheet. And um, yeah, so they drew a logo on a napkin, which became actually the logo of it. And I made a spreadsheet for them and said, you know, this is, we started a software business and we made a spreadsheet, you know, and we kind of worked out what's the best case. At the moment still. What's that, sorry? That happens a lot at the moment, it seems. You gotta be careful of those pesky spreadsheets, mind. <laughs> anyway. Um and, and you had a, not only a logo, but a cool name. So Mog on the Tyne. Yeah, so, you know, it, it was actually called Pretty Pussy Parlor when it, okay. when it started. And it was pointed out that could be slightly dangerous in terms of what clients expected. But we <laughs> thought it was a pretty funny name. And we thought that one for your other business that we mentioned earlier. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's another side project. And, um, and the, the local paper, picked up this idea and they were, There's, that's, this is a really interesting thing. What, what an interesting idea and someone's gonna do it here. Let's, you know, cause part of the piece that we sat and talked about, cause we try to get investment for it, right? Went around, you know, these different startup people and they all just kind of like, you what? You, you're nuts, this is never gonna work. Um, <laughs> that's right, what? <laughs> yeah, you know, the idea being that you sit and have a coffee and a cake and there are a bunch of cats in the place. I think you don't bring your own cat, which is what a lot of people thought. So, yeah. um, but you know, this thing would be hugely successful in 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 Southeast Asia, in in Japan, regionally successful idea. And once we looked into it, it was a really interesting thing about people not being able to have pets themselves because they're students or they're you know they're kind of you know people pensioners and so on, and they they and they they kind of wanted a pet, but they didn't want to have it themselves. This whole sort of thing, and people were going. No, you're really, you, this is, I don't believe this is a thing. This is, you're just making that up to make it sound like there's a case for it. Um, and the more we sort of looked into it, I'm sure there's, there's something here that, you know, people kind of have this, there's, there was a lot of talk at the time about people using, using animals in, in health and mental health, et cetera, as well. But, you know, not sort of deep research, but there was ideas that people were trying things and taking animals into care homes and in hospitals and all sorts of stuff. So there was a lot of this stuff behind it. And anyway, we kind of, you know, produced a video about it. We tried crowdfunding, all these different things. Um, but, you know, the, the crowdfunding thing didn't really, didn't really work. And the, you know, in terms of the, the investment, people all just thought it was a crazy idea. They wanted sort of somebody who said they were going to create the next Instagram or Facebook or something like that. Um, so we kind of went, well, how much do you think you could start this with? And would you give it a go for three months? So it was a case of, you know, cobbling together 
probably nine or ten thousand pounds to lease somewhere and I buy a secondhand coffee machine and yeah kind of find some rescue animals and make a kind of website and make a booking engine um, and stuff like that so what was really interesting about it was you know you're doing this thing which is a you know a food and beverage business with some animals then you've got a load of regulation as well because there's animals <laughs> so you can't just open it right you've kind of got to get the council involved get them on side with what this is all about so lots of really interesting things happen and then of course it becomes a tech business because you need marketing because you don't make flyers anymore and you don't but uh, you know you get a press release into the paper so they cover it yeah. but you need social media and you need to take payments because you want to take payments in advance so you need a you know you need an iZettle account and stuff like that and then you need to take payments online so it's really fascinating what these things turn into um but you know the bottom line of it was starting this thing which people thought was absolutely crazy I mean the social media around it was so funny when they were in the in the paper because people were saying well I don't like cats <laughs> right <laughs> maybe not for you then <laughs> So, so yeah, this thing this thing started um, very quickly after it. Somebody opened another one in the town, and then somebody opened another a dog version of it, and then people opened another city. So it was it was a, it was a really fascinating thing, which has now gone on for five years. Yeah, and um, it's been very successful, and I, and I'm glad I and everyone else has proved wrong because it's and they've even opened one up down in my local uh, town here, and I've taken the kids yeah. and they love it, and it's just fascinating and I and I was watching um <laughs> I, I think it was that Sherlock um not not the British one but the American one um with um Johnny what's his face and he went oh. into in, in Manhattan there's like one in Manhattan and and there was one in Bruges I was in Bruges a couple of years ago and there was one opening there it's it's it has taken off and I know James May did his thing in Japan recently and having spent a lot of time in Japan with work I can attest to the fact that they 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 have something for everyone there and the cat cafe sort of grew out of there they got cat trains they got you know probably had cat airplanes probably not at the moment but you know it's there's a lot of focus on on this and it's been very successful so wow <laughs> nobody saw that one coming well maybe you did but i didn't um and uh but it's it's been quite cool and yeah ahead of well, uh, you know ultimately what, what was interesting last year it had to shut up uh, you know like a lot of businesses had to shut um two completely unrelated um people, one of whom wasn't even a customer, started a fundraiser for it and raised more money than was used to start the business yeah. to keep going, which was just amazing. I mean, it was a kind of thing about people really love this thing um, and, have, you know, have kind of taken it to their heart. But then people just did this huge fundraiser. Um, and when it's been shut, people have then, you know, battled to be able to take the cats to live in their house and then of course trying to get them back is a real challenge for the people who are running it you know yeah so, uh, but it's 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 been a real you know when i think the term a few years ago people said you know this has just become a thing you know whether there's a thing in certain cities and people have traveled from all over the place it's just it's completely fascinating and you know people come to play gigs at our arena and go to academy and and then they just go and pop in you know one of my favorite things stories about it was one of the the smallest cat was called Tyrion from one of the characters in Game of Thrones yeah. and one of the actors from Game of Thrones went to the cafe to meet Tyrion and <laughs> had the Instagram photo with the uh with, no isn't he isn't he one of those uh uh like 
um, I, I don't. I've, I actually only ever watched one episode of Game of Thrones, and I do know who that character is because he was in it. But uh, yeah, there, there's some famous Northerner in in Game of Thrones. Oh, the Sean Bean was in it. <laughs> oh yeah, was he? Oh, he's in everything though. <laughs> if there's, if there's like a big sword, and the <laughs> rough, moody chap. It's Sean Bean. <laughs> Superb. Well, listen, I I I've really enjoyed this time, right? And and just. Uh, I just enjoy chatting to you anyway. We always have a good laugh when we're, when we're talking. We probably swear a lot more than we've done today. Um, and I think we did quite well there. I think we did very well. Uh, I'm pretty sure. I don't think we've had any swearing, so that's that's well done us. Um, <laughs> but uh, thank you very much for for spending the time today, Mike. I've, I've really enjoyed it. I'm going to put some links at the end for Mog on the Tyne when it reopens and and Opencast and a few other things. And um, actually, you know what would be good? Um, you... We, we sort of skirted past the fact that in amongst some of the other things you've done, you also built a private skate park indoors uh, with, with some of the, uh, <laughs> with some of the open cast um, uh, employees and friends of open cast as well. We'll pop a photo up of that. Uh, that's probably a story for another day. <laughs> yeah. We'll put a link into our, our local uh, signage guys who were the, the, one of the driving forces in doing that. They're a really interesting bunch. Yeah. Excellent. Thank you, Mike. So uh, just after we finished, uh, we started talking about something else. So just <laughs> just one more thing <laughs> that, that we wanted to kind of touch on. A magazine that you produced a couple of years back, Don't Step on the uh, Milk. Yeah, it's called Don't Step Over the Milk. Okay. So we, we, had this, we had this discussion about how do you, you know, how do you pass on some of the kind of classic things that that are about the culture of a business and often they're sayings that you have yeah and we started kicking this around and we were going to make these little postcards with you know loose lip, lip sync ships and you know this don't step over the milk thing and you know work hard and be nice to people um and there's another version of that which has got a swear word in it which well done to me i haven't actually used it so and, and we're going to make these cards and give them to people when they started and you know that'd be a nice intro to the company um and then so I don't know why we, we, we kind of got into it. Well, oh, I know what it was. We Somebody sent us the Valve handbook. So this um, games company yeah. called Valve, who did some hugely famous games that my kids will play. <laughs> I've got no idea how to play. Um, did a really funny handbook about what it's like working there. And, you know, you can move your desk if you want. This is how you do it. And had all these little cartoons. So we sort of nicked that idea. And then we, we used the postcards and put them into this book. And the, the title of it came from a dear friend of mine who, who sadly passed away two years ago. Mm. Um, and he used to say this thing. Um, and he was absolutely brilliant at coming out with these, you know, these, these kind of snappy little sayings um, at, at just the right moment. And, and that one was all about, you know, you, you come at the office, you go and make your coffee and you look in the fridge and there's no milk there because at the door it was at the door and you walk past it <laughs> and you went in and you know one of the things that we said about the the old company i used to work for and something we obviously brought into urbancast is that you just notice things you can go and fix that or you can improve that you know and this is in your tech job as well as just your office job about going and emptying the bins or that thing doesn't work right why you know the, the broadband thing isn't working or you know we could do with the screen there well just go do it right you yeah. can just go and expense it and buy that thing and put it in or you know you're you kind of notice something you know this is one of the things we bonded about working in banking tech so there's this thing brings the system down every day 
well, wouldn't it be a really good idea to go and talk to the people in front office and go, can you stop somebody pressing the tab key? Because that makes the whole settlement platform fall over. <laughs> you know, wouldn't it? Yeah, you know. So, um, yeah, don't step over the milk. That was the thing. And this, this lovely man, Andrew Billington, who coined that. So, yeah, we thought it was, you know, it's kind of dedicated to him. Um, you know, and in, inside it, um, we've got, one of the things I quite like about it, and people people laughed at me because they know some of the bands that I really like, and they know that I love the Clash and the, the you know the great words of Joe Strummer, their their singer. So we put Joe in it at the front, <laughs> <laughs> and Joe is saying, "Without people, you're nothing. <laughs> the way you get a better world is you don't put up with substandard anything." So you know, I was kind of listening to his songs when I was about 12, 13 years old, and these sort of things he used to say. So we thought we're going to put that in there. <laughs> Because um, you know, the, without people, you're nothing. That's one of the things we always go on about. So yeah, Joe made the book. Cool. And, uh, yeah. So that was you know we we did for all of your joiners basically. Here's your welcome to yeah. Opencast. Uh, yeah, and and you know we we show to people who are thinking about joining. Yeah. As well, and it's it, it went down way better than we thought. Well, I think we thought people would just go, oh yeah, whatever, you know. I've never seen anything like this. This is absolutely brilliant. So we were quite humbled by the reaction to it, you know. So, um, yeah, so we're going to sort of do different versions of it. Um, I think there's, a, there's another version about another part of the business um, going to be called uh, Who's Peeling the Potatoes, which is another classic comment, you know, quote from, <laughs> from that sort of business life that yeah. somebody said. So we're going to make another one, and that's going to be the title of it. Cool. Well, I look forward to seeing that one, the uh, the volume two of the of uh, Don't Step Over the Milk. Yeah, we can have a competition to see if somebody can guess what that what that's about, what that's referring to. <laughs> <laughs> On that note, uh, this time we will go. Thank you again, <laughs> and uh, speak soon. Thanks, sir. Cheers.